you're people pleasing, you've got lots to worry about. Man can do a lot to you. But if God is on your side and he's for you, I will not fear. I'll live in faith because nothing any man or woman can do to me can harm me. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. All of us have experienced times where our lives seem to be blown off course and times God's work in our lives feels uncomfortable and not what we expect. So how do we get on board with this new direction for our lives? Today, David gives us part two of his message, The Doctrine of the Resurrection. As we look at the American culture, it's becoming darker and darker. People are moving away from spiritual truth. They're moving away from the Bible as the Word of God. They're trying to explain it instead of it explaining them. And you're seeing darkness continuing to cover our land. Now the question is, what's going to break that darkness? What's going to allow people to see Jesus? What's going to allow them to have an experience with our Lord? I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that what God's got to do is to break through like he did with Paul on Malta with people who never heard of Jesus with signs and wonders and miracles. The way you're going to reach people today in our darkened culture is by operating in the power of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, one of the gifts God gives to his church is the gift of healing. And he wants his church, not just David, his church to pray for people and see his Spirit work. He wants those of you who are willing to do so to ask God to give you the spiritual gift of healing and see him work through you for that to happen. I believe it's going to have to be more normalized in the church of the years to come for people to come to faith in him. Again, because the culture is getting so dark. Let me tell you a story that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, A gal came up to me after one of the services and said, would you pray for me, please? Would you anoint me with oil? And I said, sure, I'd be more than happy to because James 5 says that one of the jobs and responsibilities of the elders of the church is to hear from people who need some kind of physical healing to anoint them with oil and lay their hands on them and pray for that healing. And and God will answer their prayers. And so I took out my oil that I carry every week and I anointed her forehead with the sign of the cross because there's no healing power in David Chadwick. The healing power comes through the cross of Christ. Through his death on that cross, he gave the power of healing to his church. And so a couple of us gathered around her and my prayer was this, Lord, give one of us the spiritual gift of healing. I don't care if it's me. I want you to get the glory. It's all about you. So we prayed for her. And she had, again, this massive tumor around her liver. And she said, it doesn't look good. Well, last week she comes up to me and she says, I went in for my MRI. And I said, well, how'd it go? And she said, with a chuckle, the tumor is completely gone. I asked Well, how'd the doctor respond to that? And she said, he didn't have a clue how to explain it. (laughs) And I said, well, let's tell him about Jesus. (laughs) But then right before she left, she said, but I need to tell you something. They also discovered a similar kind of tumor around my sinus cavity. And I got to go in this week for that one too. And I went, well, sister, let's do it again. (laughs) Reached in the old pocket for the oil, got some guys around, and we just laid hands on her and we prayed for her. And Asked Jesus to heal her. Well, last night, late, I get an email from her and said, oh, BTW. And, and for those of you who aren't technologically savvy like I am, you know, I'm not. That means, by the way, it said, you know, by the way, just wanted to tell you 
that the mass around my sinus cavity is completely gone as well. I, that, that's, that's to encourage any of you here today who are going through a storm, who feel like you're on Malta and you're sick. I, I want to encourage you to go to Jesus. And in fact, just so you'll know, I'm not a complete wacko and I make these stories up. I want to introduce you to that woman. Her name is Stacy Wiseman, and here she is, folks. This is her. Yeah. Okay. Just, just so they'll know, I didn't embellish the story, did I? Okay. And you have something you want to share with the people today? I think something's on your heart that you asked to share. The storm blew into my life about a year ago. I became sick. Um, had to take a leave of absence from my job. I was not well. I was fearful because I have a nine-year-old son. And I prayed often. I prayed for God to take my hand and to lead me beside still waters. I prayed for him to lay me down in green pastures and to cover me with his feathers. Things didn't look good. And it seemed like one episode after another and I didn't know how I was going to get through. But James 5.14 tells us that if anyone among you is sick, that you call on the elders of the church to pray over you, to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. David did that, and the elders of the church did that for me. And I believe that my story, and there's countless others out there, it's not to feel sorry for me, but it was for God's glory and His alone. He has the power to heal and to save, and He will completely restore me. This I know. Mm, wow. Okay. And um, I hope, Stacy, you don't mind me sharing this. Your husband's not a believer yet. Notice I said yet. And I'm praying, y'all join me. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit as you sit on your throne, I pray that Stacy's husband will soon come to faith in you. And this story will be a part of that that opens his eyes and helps him realize that Jesus is Lord. And I pray that will come sooner rather than later. And all those who agree with me in that prayer, would you say amen? amen. And praise God. Thank you, Stacy. God bless you, friends. One more heart. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Mm. No? So do you see that Jesus is on his throne and he's Lord over the storms? He's Lord over the storms. And, and our hand needs to be in his. And we need to be right there with him, listening to him ask, well, what do you need? And, and, and have him pray for us, which he does every day. Second illustration has to do with three young characters in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Daniel. It's in Daniel chapter 3 if you want to read that later on today. But here is an overview of the story. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? And when Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Israel, he was very smart. He knew the way to keep nationalistic fervor at bay was to take the wisest, smartest young people in the land and expatriate them and move them to Babylon, some 600 miles away. And that's what he did. He took one young man by the name of Daniel, who was exceptionally talented. He has a whole book in the Old Testament about him. And then three other friends of his, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, some people became jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
I wish jealousy wasn't a part of our culture, but it is. And so they came up with a scheme to have Nebuchadnezzar build a huge golden idol and demand that everybody in the country bow down and worship the idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, loving the one true God alone, being Hebrews, refused to do so. And the deal was, if you didn't bow down and worship the golden idol, you're going to be thrown into the fire. Not, not the storm this time, not water, but fire. And so they refused, and sure enough, their hands were bound behind their backs. They were tied tightly. They were thrown into the fire and expected to die. And as old King Neb looked in, he was amazed to see that among the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was a fourth figure who looked like a son of God. And for those of you who know this fancy theological term, it was a theophanic vision of Jesus. In other words, it's a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus to our planet. That fourth person with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was Jesus. He looked like a son of God. And after a while, the fires didn't touch them. <laughs> Indeed, they were brought out, and there wasn't even a smell of smoke on their clothes. In fact, their cords that bound them were burned off, and they were free, totally free. Now, some of you today aren't walking through a storm, you're walking through a fire, and you're going, why God? And it could be that God's using that fire to burn off things that are enslaving you and holding you back from being all that Jesus wants you to be. For example, it could be that people-pleasing is a problem, that you depend upon people's approval rather than God's approval to make your life meaningful. And it could be that God is making you walk through this fire so that he can finally burn off the bondage of trying to please people and not God. And when that happens, you cry out, free at last, free at last, praise God, I'm free at last. Or it could be that you're bound up in fear. Any of you there? You're bound up in anxiety, and it dominates your life. You're, you're afraid to keep living because there's so much fear in your life. And God takes you through a fire. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you so much. And in that fire, you have to trust him totally and explicitly. And in that fire, he burns off the cords of fear. And now you know I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And you know that no matter what goes on in your life, Jesus is on his throne and he's right next to you and he's holding your hand. He's asking you, how do you need me? How do you need me, Jerry? How do you need me? And he's walking us through that difficult fire to burn off the cords of fear so that we can live our lives in faith, trusting Jesus in everything because he's on his throne. The tomb's empty and he's on his throne. We can therefore live our lives trusting him with everything that's going on. Free at last, free at last. Fear doesn't dominate my life. Faith does, and I can live now in the joy of the Lord who is my strength. Do you know what I'm talking about? So instead of cursing the storm, instead of damning the fire, say, Lord, you're on your throne and you permitted it to come. Your wind blew, Paul, from Rome to Malta. Your fire was the one you charged up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you were in each situation, and you're in our situation as well. So what are you going through? What are you experiencing? Lose your job? I know what that's like. 
what that's like. <laughs> Friends not like you, I know what that's like. People you trusted, you thought, not there for you, I know what that's like. Um, physical illness, emotional discouragement, maybe even depression. What are you going through? Would you please hear me today? The storm and the fire is not bigger than Jesus who sits on his throne. It's not bigger, and he's working it somehow for good. You may have thought, Rome, God's got Malta in store. You may have your cords bound up behind your back. God wants to set you free. Look at these verses. Isaiah 43, 2. Would you read it with me? When you pass through the waters, I... Now, come on, a little louder than that. I will be... And through the water, rivers, they they shall what? Not overwhelm you. When you walk, you shall not be burned, and the shall not consume you. Now, I can't speak for you, but when I see a storm or I see a fire, I want God to take me under it or around it or to helicopter me over it. Don't you? But what did God say? When you walk... Now, come on, folks, talk with me. When you walk through, through the storm, through the waters, through the fire, when you walk, not if. Did you notice that too? Not if. When? Because God does some of his best work in the waters. He does some of his best work in the fires, doesn't he? So when you walk through the fires and you walk through the water, what he promises? I will what? Come on now. I will be. I'm ruling over my world. I'm holding your hand. You're ruling with me. What do you need? What do you need? And he promises. He promises that the waters and the fires won't burn us, won't drown us, won't consume us. Look at this next verse. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? That's all the truths of grace. What shall we say to these things? If God is, come on now, for us, who can be? Okay, repeat after me. God is? God is? God is? Well, if he is for you, what are you worried about? You know, God plus one equals a majority. Bible says if you have God on your side, one will cause 1,000 to flee. Two will cause 10,000 to flee. Because God is for us. Think about that. One more time. God is? He's on your team. He's on your side. In fact, look at the next verse. The Lord is? I will? I will, I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you're people-pleasing, you've got lots to worry about. Man can do a lot to you. But if God is on your side and he's for you, I will not fear. I'll live in faith because nothing any man or woman can do to me can harm me. Because Jesus is on his throne. The tomb's empty, but the throne is not. And he's holding our hand. We're ruling with him, and he's saying, what do you need? What do you need? And one more. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. And my thoughts, uh, you know, when I get in a storm and I get in a fire, why is it that I think I know better than God? What's the first question we ask? 
Why are you doing this? I mean, I'd have a better solution. But God could really concern himself less with my thoughts. And oftentimes, even though it's a storm or a fire, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. He's working everything together for good. Paul thought Rome. God thought Malta. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thought their cords were too strong. God said, I'm going to set you free through the fire. So, dear friends, final thought. The tomb is empty, but the throne is not. He's on his throne. He's sitting next to you. You're ruling with him over all creation, Ephesians 2, 6. And he's holding your hand, interceding for you regularly, asking you this question. What do you need? What do you need? Pray in my name. Believe. And you just might see a mass around the liver. Go away. You just might see a mass in your sinuses, go away. You just might see your fears, go away. You just might see your anxieties, go away. You just might see the Lord Jesus using you in more powerful ways than you ever imagined before. Would you give him praise? You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up... David joins me in the studio in a conversation about the biblical use of wine. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope. David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, You've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, We're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city. I'm reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bud? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there, and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope, and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. It's great being with you as well, Jen. Well, David, you called this morning's e-devotion, Sipping Saints Are Often Slipping Saints. 
Yeah, it's a phrase from Leonard Ravenhill. Some people may be familiar with that name. He was a great man of God, a prophet of God, recently passed away, but many people still read his writings. And this is something he would continually say because he was concerned about the increasing consumption of alcohol, especially among followers of Jesus. So he would just remind people constantly, hey, beware, sipping saints are often slipping saints. You know, alcohol can dull our senses and make us insensitive to the Spirit's promptings. We need to be very careful. Now, I'm dealing with a very sensitive issue today, and I know that. So let me try to deal with it biblically. When you look at the idea of drinking wine in the Bible, for example, you can't come to the conclusion that God forbids it. He just doesn't do that. There are too many verses that allow us the opportunity to drink wine or alcohol. Ecclesiastes 9.7 is one of those places, and there are many others as well. But having said that, I recognize the reality that alcoholism is a huge problem in our culture. My wife's and my own family have been dramatically and negatively impacted by the problem of alcohol. It is a disease that devours people. And so even though we can't say you can never drink, I think we can say you need to be very careful how much you drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know some people say, I drink only one glass of wine, and that's it. That way, I am always careful to obey Paul's adjuration in Ephesians 5.18 to not be drunk with wine, but to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key. Uh, If you can enjoy something in moderation, you should do so, but you should not ever let that captivate your heart and be the God of your life that controls your belly. Mm -hmm. So people need to be aware of that balance. And if you feel like you can't live without a glass of wine or glasses of wine, you need to stop right then and there. You have a power over you that is beyond where you should be. And we need to realize that as we sip wine, we can't let it control us. We've got to control it. And that's what Leonard Ravenhill was trying to warn the church about. Sipping saints are often slipping saints. The wine then starts to control them, and they lose the power to hear and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Wow. You have such a way of wording this. This is really, really good and insightful today. And I don't know where the source of this is, but I've heard that in um, the New Testament, the wine, like six glasses of New Testament wine was equivalent to one glass of the alcohol content in today's wine. Have you heard that? I have heard that. It's a fermentation issue as you look back at the way wine was fermented there Mm. versus wine today. And if that's true, uh, then we still need to acknowledge that in that day, there were problems of drunkenness or Paul wouldn't have addressed. Jesus was called a drunk Mm. by some people to demean his message. So that must have been a problem in his day Mm -hmm. as well. So we can't minimize the issue because it existed biblically with that fermentation question Mm -hmm. as well. We just need to be very careful and guard ourselves. And if ever we 
feel like our mind is under the control of the alcohol and not the Lord and his spirit, we need to stop, beware, and let the Lord take control. And I should say this, Jen, as well, that if people choose to abstain completely from alcohol and wine, that is perfectly biblically okay. And in fact, for many people out there, that is the right thing to do, especially if they feel any kind of predisposition to alcohol being a problem. Really good. Thank you so much for these insights today. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. I hope this helps in some way. Please go to momentsofhopechurch.org for these daily written devotions. From my heart to yours to help you begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.